The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by Orlando Homes Express, brokered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy. My God, this week just got a violent shove into huge. College game day's coming to UCF, guys. Holy smokes. <laughs> this is like... Not a boring week. No, not a boring week. Lots to do, lots to talk about, lots to, you know, sort out and plan and, you know, email and text and phone call and get a hold of things. I mean... This is this is huge, man. I mean, what's the UCF commercial says? This is big, right? This, this is, is big. I this mean, is big. I mean, just consider that. Okay, your game day's here. The game itself is for basically the division yep. because Cincinnati. If Cincinnati wins, they win the tiebreaker, and Cincinnati plays East Carolina next week. They're not losing that game. So if they win this game, they're winning the division. The game's at eight o'clock in a nationwide slot, which UCF has never had for regular season game. Yeah, on ABC is, on the big on, on the ABC big network. Nationwide, it's senior night, which no one is talking about. Uh, and uh, yeah, game day's here. It's 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 more than big. It's biggest. This is this is biggest. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna talk. Well, guess what? Who, guess who is gonna talk about it? Us. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're gonna. <laughs> we are uh, at blackandgoldbanneret.com. You can. Fu- we are part of the SB Nation Network. Follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. You can also uh, follow us individually at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez Elo, and Spokes underscore Murphy. All right, I just want to dive right in, all right, because we have a lot to talk about. In fact, so much so that this is our first of two shows this week. At least. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least. At we least. Might have, more. A, um, might have an emergency podcast or we might, two yeah. put in there. Well, you know, I we wanted to I wanted to do an emergency podcast for like Sunday, but I was just completely exhausted. I mean, it, it was, yeah, and I've been. You can probably tell I've been sick, and uh, it, we'll we'll talk about this. We'll talk with we'll talk about college game day coming to campus. We'll talk about the previous week. We're going to save our actual football previewy stuff for Cincinnati for our next episode, which is going to come out in probably about twenty four hours after you hear this. Um. We're also going to uh, talk about men's soccer, making the NCAA tournament, national 14 seed. Uh, Scott Calabrese joined uh, Eric Lopez earlier today, so we'll hear from Coach Calabrese. And, uh, and also a couple of his players as well, Cal Jennings and Yannick Edel. Uh, and also UCF Volleyball clinched the American Athletic Conference uh, Championship, or at least a share of it by record. There's no tournament. They do it by the regular season. Um, but... Uh, they win the tiebreaker because they beat Cincinnati twice. Uh, so they win the automatic bid. They raise the trophy, and we'll hear a little bit from Todd Dagenet and Jordan Pingle um, as well. So, And uh, Brianna Garcia as well, who also had a really good match uh, on Sunday. But first, first order of business, college game day is coming to UCF. It's the first time ever. UCF is the 71st school to host college game day. Um the announcement came uh, from Kirk Herbstreet, ironically enough, um, mm. and uh, on uh, on Twitter on his uh, on his Twitter account, um, and the fanfare was ha- okay. So we had a little. We thought it would probably come down Saturday night, 
Um, and Lopez and I on Twitter were like monitoring the game time starts for the ACC <laughs> that were put right. in the, in the six day window, thinking like maybe we could glean some stuff, some some information from that. And it a little after one thirty Eastern in the morning, Chris Fowler of all people tweets back at the UCF underscore banneret account. Um, Which is why you need to be following us, by the way. You yes. just never know who's going to respond to us. <laughs> um, well, in, in, now, in my defense, I was asleep. <laughs> and uh, it, it happened at one thirty in the morning. Chris, no doubt, you know, getting out of Boston College and um, and, uh, and 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 probably seeing this pop up on the feed, you know, with some of the, with some other UCF folks. Um, I'm trying to actually pull up the, pull up the tweet here for a second, but, but anyway, he tweeted back at us and he was like, listen, man, you guys are worked up. Um, you know, he's like, I promise you guys, you won't be disappointed and forgive me, Chris, uh, if you're listening to this, I didn't get it exactly. Didn't get it exactly right. But basically that's the, that's the gist of what was going on. I'm going to find it here down on mm-hmm. my feet in a little bit. But. Which was a very positive Twitter because at that time, to just we assumed it was going to be Saturday night. And yeah. that, we, 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 that was the talk. And the Cincinnati had taken care of business against South Florida and then Notre Dame won, but there was no announcement. Like I was staring at the Clemson – I was watching the Clemson-Boston college game. Every time they came back on break and Fowler was ready to read a promo, I was always nervous. I'm like, oh, here we go. Right. You know. And nothing would come out. And then, yeah. like, there was no – I had the game day Twitter on, on my on – I kept refreshing. You know, and, and it's funny because, obviously, I've been pushing this narrative for about a month. I wrote about this first back on October 7th, about this possibility of college game day coming to UCF. And for about a month, I've been scoffed at by a lot of people, um, even to the last hours. And you just didn't know what they were going to do. And – you know, you got nervous, like, wow, why aren't they announcing this on Saturday? Maybe they haven't decided yet. Maybe they haven't what, – what, why – you know, that you're, you're just thinking in your head what's going on. Meanwhile, they hadn't even announced the kick time for the Cincinnati game. Right. Which, credit to you, Jeff, you brought up uh, – and we were talking – I think you said it in the last episode. And I think we were talking back and forth during this, We and it turned out to be correct. I think that was part of this. The role here was not only, like, where's game day going – but what game is going to be on ABC and the fact that UCF and Cincinnati was also in play for that. Yeah. Oh, here's what Fowler said. Damn, you guys are worked up. Chill. I humbly predict you won't be disappointed. And what did you say to like get him to no, like this feel the, like No, this was the tweet. This was the tweet that I that I sent out on the Banneret account. It was just in. Miami Virginia Tech will be at 3:30 p.m. on ESPN and Florida State BC will be at 3:30 p.m. on ESPN2. This means UCF Cincinnati may be on in prime time, or if it's at three thirty, it will be on ABC. It was a pretty innocuous tweet, yeah. <laughs> but I think he was, was like, well, he was like, why was, are you black and gold banner at whatever you are bothering with the ACC's television, con- you know, television <laughs> schedule?" That's because I'm a dork, Chris. Because we're, the stuff I we're nerds, up, I dude. You know, I mean, Chris, you love tennis. We love sports media. Like, it's just, it's, that's, I love tennis like, that's too. what we do. Tennis you know, is fun. I like tennis uh. a lot. But, um, but yeah, that's, that, that, that like, that was why. I mean, it, I, I guess he sensed the anticipation. He's like, guys, just relax. It's one thirty in the morning. <laughs> well, it's big. We don't know, but we don't know. I mean, he knows he's obviously in the end, so he knows. Yeah, but we yeah didn't he know knew. That he knew, time. so. And, and even and, you – even UCF's even UCF football's Twitter account knew yes. everyone was waiting. They put out a tweet around yep. midnight or a little before midnight saying, 
Good night. We'll talk to you all tomorrow with an action shot of Gabe Davis looking like he's shrugging. Yeah, the, like they, right. they, they people were waiting. Or was it? No, it was Trey Nixon. It was Trey Nixon. The Trey, Trey Nixon. Yeah, it was a Trey right, Nixon right. shrugging. Well, that made me nervous because it made it look like, oh, we don't know. Now it turns mm-hmm. out maybe they were just playing us, right? I mean, they're, uh, well, that's what everyone was afraid of. But it was oh. it was just an intense deal, and um, you know, I felt strongly that I thought game they had a great chance because I knew there were some issues with the Syracuse Notre Dame thing. Uh, there was a storyline with UCF, and and I felt like if the UCF Cincinnati game was picked for ABC, that would almost make it a lock for game day to be there because it's yeah. a lot easier. Herb Street doesn't have to fly out, or Maria Taylor, they don't have to fly out. Um, I knew though, you know, I thought the weather would work to our advantage, and it does. Uh, thankfully, Sunday and Sunday morning we got the one of the mere anticipated announcements uh, involving UCF that I can remember. So, so it might actually be kind of chilly because it'll be in the 40s actually in some parts of Central Florida during the day. During the morning, when when before really? the sun comes up, yeah, um, but it'll be in the fifties, raising up into the sixties during the day. But here's the thing: so the announcement comes down, the and and like obviously UCF Twitter goes nuts. Uh, Fowler tweets out a shirt or himself a picture of himself wearing a Citronauts shirt, which just mm-hmm. is just a, a stroke of genius. Um, UCF obviously sent him that shirt, but which makes you wonder. You bring that up. I mean, that confirms what we kind of expected and we knew, and it was confirmed, that UCF was contacted by ESPN probably a week before. Yeah. And yes. what that tells me is they were the front runner the whole time, and I think that's why they probably was that request, let's send Fowler the Citronaut shirt because yeah. we're the front runner. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I think the other thing about that too was you know, Fowler had that tweet a few weeks ago where he was like, the Citronauts is the best nickname ever. Um. Yep. So, so that, that was so, like. So, I, I, you bet that Jimmy Skiles probably Jeff, put that I in there. Every, I thought ESPN hated UCF. What are you talking? Yeah. Well, they like a good story, <laughs> and they like what's interesting. Um. So, um, what do you call it? So, it, it, so this goes down. By the way, they're going to put the game day stage on the south end of Memory Mall. There was some speculation about what, um. Uh, you know, what end of campus they would put it on, you know, would they put it near the stadium, would they put it on East Plaza Drive, it's going to be on Memory Mall, it's going to be on this, the corner closest to the College of Health and Public Affairs buildings. So they're going to have... Basically right next to the Starbucks. Right. You're walking, yeah. Right, and and to the, like, if you're looking at it from the student union toward the arena, it's, it's to the right of the flagpole, okay? Mm-hmm. So... What a spot to put the stage, man! Because uh, this is, uh, yeah, this is going to be, it's going to be a madhouse there. There's going to be, I mean, I don't know what crowd estimates they're thinking about, but we're thinking thousands of fans are going. I mean, there's there's thousands of fans there an- anyway on a regular Saturday. Now you have College Game Day there. I mean, you know, there's going to be a bunch of people who are going to be there and and possibly not be able to get into the game because the game is sold out. The game sold out early in the week. Um, I, I think a, there, there are, are so stand, many people, there are standing room only tickets available, yeah. but those might have already sold out by the time you're but, listening. To but this. there's there's so many people that I've been seeing on social media who are like, "Yeah, I can't get into the game, but I'm coming down for this because I just want to see it." Yeah, this is yeah. this this is bigger than I, I hate saying this was true. It's bigger than homecoming. Oh, God, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. It's not. Um, you mentioned about um, how senior day was being overshadowed guys were talking earlier well this i would argue if you're a senior this might be one of the most memorable senior days of all time just because of what's going <laughs> oh, no on no doubt about it um and 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 
I, I, you know, this is the most landmark day in the history of this university and for this department. And what is so fascinating about this, as big as this game is, which is big, it's as, as Murph mentioned, it's for the conference title. Game of the season. Top 25, mentioned, top 25 end of the season, uh, statement game, yeah. uh, game on primetime on ABC, the biggest, the biggest time slot yeah. you could have in college football. This, yeah, this is the same collision course game that the USF game was last year, but go ahead. Even mm-hmm. but, but to some extent, maybe even bigger just from the exposure standpoint, although you're right. Uh, that one is I, I still think the USF game is a bigger game just because the literally the conference was on the line at your biggest rival. So I would still rank that bigger as far as the game. But what's funny is I think when we go back we think back on this day Saturday, and we'll see how it all plays out ten, twenty years from now. I think more people are gonna remember about game day than the actual game. Maybe I agree. The, the games are over. This won't be the last time there will be a top 25 game in that stadium. This won't be the last time there is a big game in the conference. It may not even be the last time they're on ABC in primetime. But who knows when's the next time you get a chance for college game day, especially the first time. You know, the first time is unique and is special. And I think when you, if you've watched the show, when you saw a few weeks ago when Washington State hosted it for the first time and how electric of an atmosphere it was because they've been starving to have game day for a long time over there. I think it's yeah. different when game day is at a location for the first time as opposed to, hey, we've been at blankety blank for like the 30th time. You know, yeah. so those schools take it for granted, whereas I think these people, UCF, will not. I know people that are flying in, literally flying in out of the, uh, all over the country just to come to game day. They booked their flights the second the announcement was made or uh, just because of that. That tells you how transcendent this show is. Yeah, so this is going to be great. Everyone's going to be there. Um, yeah, I'm going to be very interested to see. Um, now, Eric, you've got an article on the site about who the guest picker is going to be. Your favorite is the Griffin yeah. Twins since they play on Thursday night. Um, uh, By the way, uh, I was on the finish line, the Orlando Drive Time show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that airs on ninety six nine, which you're invo- you're on every Friday. Jeff. Yep, Fridays uh, at about four fifteen. Yeah, I was on Tuesday to talk about that list, and Jerry mentioned that uh, apparently they already picked the guest picker. They won't obviously say who it is. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, uh, my yes, my guess is I think it's the Griffin brothers. I'll be honest with you. I think they're like the Golden State Warriors. I think they're the overwhelming favorite. I would be shocked mm. if it's not them because they kind of fill all the quota that you that game day and everybody wants in that spot yeah they are now well-known people they were just on 60 minutes uh the, the griffin brother story is a national story they're, they're playing in the nfl they play thursday night against green bay uh despina barton our good friend from spectrum sports reported on tweeted out on saturday that she's heard that the griffin brothers will be at the cincinnati game this was prior to game day even being announced this was just they were going to come regardless because they come any chance they get and I just think it's too perfect that that I would be shocked if game day passed up on them. And I think they're the overwhelming number one. So it's funny, like, I've got tweets people mad about Mickey Mouse and Shaq and all that. I'm like, <laughs> it's not going to matter because I think the Griffin brothers are the overwhelming favorite. And I, would, I, would, I, would, I think everybody would be in full agreement that that's the right choice. I, I think, I think the being. only other possible, possible option would maybe be Dante Culpepper, but... Um, well, the problem with Dante is I don't think people really care for Dante nationally anymore. Unfortunately, his NFL career was not did not end well. Um, 
So I just don't think that's a big splash. Yeah, Whereas the Griffin Brothers is. I mean, that's going to drive clicks. I mean, the Griffin Brothers are people of interest. Casual people know who the Griffin Brothers are, so, and, and Shaquem so, in particular. And I think that's the, that's what they're going to do. So um, they're going to. Now, here's the thing with this that I think is also important, and we're going to take a break here in a little bit. But let's let's not mince words here. All right. You know, UCF, by the way, and we'll talk about Navy here in a second, but um, this is, and I'm making this argument in a column I'm writing right now, this is a bigger day for the university, maybe maybe in its entire history. This is the biggest day in the university's history because there's still a lot of people out there nationwide that don't know what UCF is, that don't know what we know, right? And I made the argument to Murph before we came on, this is bigger than even if UCF got into the playoff. Because you're showcasing... Th- this is a 48-hour-long showcase of how great the University of Central Florida is as a college campus. You know, it's not, you know, off to the Cotton Bowl you go for three and a half hours to, you know, match wits with Nick Saban with no beauty shots of the campus. There's going to be nothing but palm trees and sun and look at how gorgeous Central Florida is in mid-November. And that and, – and there's going to be a bunch of kids in like, you know, Rapid City, South Dakota and, and you know, Pullman, Washington and, you know, places, you know, far afield who are going to who – who sit down and watch college game day in the middle of, you know, while winter is coming and they're bracing themselves – are going to see this and be like, man, that place looks awesome. I want to go there. Not just from a football perspective, from a university perspective. Um, Brian, I know you partially, to some extent, disagree with me on that, but that's, yeah. my, ta- that's my take and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> partially. <laughs> yeah, I disagree uh, because, I mean, yes, looking at the university is really cool uh, and it's pretty, but the advertisement of the university uh, is ultimately a recruiting pitch more than, than anything else. But you're comparing it and saying it's better than UCF actually getting in the CFP and actually getting a chance to win what everyone, with no asterisks or doubts considered, what everyone would consider to be a national championship. So to say that's less important than this advertisement, which it is, uh, is sort of just awkward to me. That's not how the sport operates. The sport, I, the sport rewards and recognizes champions, not really good pitches. I I think you're thinking about it too much from a football perspective and not enough from a university perspective. It's football, Jeff. It's a, we're talking about football. But, but, how but about it's, about it from a football perspective? But, but it's but it's but college game day is is actually. I know this sounds weird, but college game day is much bigger than it's just football. It's about it's not about football. It's about But you're saying it's, you're it's saying about it's, you're college. saying it's bigger than okay. So I, I don't wanna I don't wanna raise my voice because my throat's already sore. And, <laughs> I just want to say so, for the record, I enjoy for a fact for a change on this show. So there's an argument. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm I, don't wanna, I'll keep going. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. So I will literally talk once more and then stop. Uh, you're saying that the college game day is more important than winning the CFP, which to me, no, no, no. I'm not saying just, it's, I'm not saying it's more important than winning the CFP. I'm, I, th- I think it's more. I'm saying it's more important to the university as a whole 
to get that exposure nationally for 48 hours about how beautiful UCF is than three and a half hours of of UCF on a football field in Texas facing Alabama. I just I just think it is from a university <laughs> perspective. And I, I respect your disagreement, but I, I think that saying that it's not more important than than a game than a game win or lose against Alabama, Clemson, or Notre Dame or whoever loses sight of the big picture, and it's it's too it's it's too much of a centric it's too centric on college football in relation to the university as a whole. You don't think the oh damn it! I I, I just I just I just. Uh, when it gets what I just said, too. I know. Like, no, I know. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I want Eric to challenge it. I really do. No, 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 no. I'm a man of integrity, and I just I just violated myself. So, uh, so no, I, I – You know what? We'll continue, ahead, this, go ahead, go we'll continue this debate, this hot take debate on Twitter, and um, – and, and No, we won't. I will not. Can, you, you all can yell at me at Jeff underscore Sharon if you think I'm well, full let me just, of it. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me kind of play the referee here for a change, which is yeah. kind of a nice, a nice chair to be in for a, a change. Mm-hmm. Okay, then we'll talk about I Navy. Think, go ahead. I think you both have legitimate cases here. I, I, I agree with Murph. I don't think – if UCF somehow got into the yeah, college football playoff, I can't say – that game day is bigger or more important than the playoff because the playoffs, I mean, that's, I mean, you're talking 10 to 20 million people are going to be watching that playoff game. So the exposure university is going to get, I so would, would argue is even bigger if they were in the playoff than say a college game day show, which gets about one and a half to 2 million. Well, viewers. I would say, I would say that, well, who, what's really getting the exposure there? It's not the university. It's the football team. Sure it is. They're playing on the field. I mean, it's no, it, UCF. It's not like it's, a random team. No, but it's um, the it's the it's the UCF football team that's getting the exposure. It's not correct. the university. Well, not, it's not the campus. But yeah, but let's not let's not act like game day is going to be breaking down the UCF you know medical school during the show. I mean, <laughs> no, they're, but they're going to be showing you like in the middle of November how gorgeous it is over here. Which is which to be honest with you is a big reason why a lot of us came to UCF. Is you know I mean I you, I. I but you're, you know I agree I mean? with you. I, I agree from this standpoint. I think it's more important, it's more significant than any of the bowl wins because – and this is why. This is, But I, I don't agree with the angle you're going with. The angle I'm going with is you have traveled. Murph, you've traveled. I've traveled. How many times – and I've done this with softball, and I'm sure, Jeff, you've traveled, and Murph, you're, when you get – when UCF gets brought up, Hey, so where where's UCF located? What what does that stand for? Wait, is it such a flaw? What what? what? Yeah, people yeah. don't. There's a lot of stuff that people don't know about the school. They still they, they there's a lot of people in the United States that still think this is kind of like oh, it's a commuter school. It's eh, whatever. It's so like the. So I do agree with you, Jeff. That game day I think is gonna is is gonna clean up some of the the, the misperceptions out there. From a university standpoint and from a football standpoint, I think uh, I think there's going to be a big promotion. I'll give you an example. When I, as someone who's watched game day for a long time, I had no clue about Boise State and a blue turf until they went to game day, and they were there and they talked about Boise State and the blue turf. I didn't know anything about North Dakota State and Fargo Dome and all that until they went there. Yeah, um, showcased that area. So I think from that standpoint, I agree with you, Jeff. I think that is why to date this is the most significant thing. Uh, for the university and the athletic department, but I will agree with Murph. If UCF were to somehow make the playoff, I can't say that that is not uh, that that would not be bigger because that is that's significant. That would be historic. It would be uh, two games away from a national title 
and the general person, even the non-college football fan watches the playoff as well. So I can't that it, I think you're both right. I know it's a cop out answer, but that you both make valid points. Yeah, that is a cop out answer. All right, let's talk about. Um, we'll we'll leave that aside for the moment. Um, yeah. Let's talk real quick about the Navy game. Thirty-five twenty-four um, was the final um, in a game that was uh, well dramatically shortened in the second half. Both teams kind of traded scores. A lot of um, consternation. I mean, Navy's a two-win team. Um, but a lot of consternation on Twitter. Why didn't we throw the ball more? Why didn't we try to put some style points up there? I think that UCF ran the ball by design to try and keep actually Navy's offense off the field as much as humanly possible. That's There's, not true. You you don't think that's true? Here's here's the no. here, here's the theory that this. I have to give credit to Mark Daniels. Here's what he said. <laughs> Mark said on his radio show that the reason why that. The reason why UCF kind of not put the brakes on, but but didn't but didn't do that was but didn't throw the ball around the yard, especially in the second half. Was Navy's a cut blocking running team because their their offensive linemen are undersized. If you're if you're six eight three hundred pounds, you're not going to go to Navy. Okay, you need to be in shape. So what UCF did was go up, basically get up by two three possessions, and then just stiff arm them the rest of the way um, because. If you look at teams' records over the last 10 years, and Mark brought this up, teams that play Navy, okay, the fo- the, you get beat up having to deal with that cut blocking, especially in the front seven of your defense. So that front seven, okay, it, the statistic that he says the last five years, or the last 10 years, if you look at the record of teams the week after they play Navy, it's around 500. Because regardless of Navy's record, because they just find a way to kind of really wear down your front your front seven. Now there's part part. I think it's partially that, and partially also you don't want to put you don't want to put you know put too much stuff on film against a two and seven team when you've got nine I think and that's one the Cincinnati that's the reason. coming let's, in. Let's be honest. That's the real reason. That's but, the real reason. But, that's not. That's not. Wait, 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 wait. No, it can't. Listen, let's not say it's one reason or the other. It can be all of those things. I think he didn't want to show a lot, and I think he was fine with shortening the game. He knew that Navy wasn't going to be able to catch up. I don't have a problem with it. I don't either. Just win the game. But here's the problem. Then you can't – I mean, that's fine. That's not the the, – then you – the problem is, though, what's the excuse for the defense? Oh, the excuse – all right, go ahead, Brian. You settle this. Go ahead. So both, both you are wrong. Okay. Uh, so, All right. <laughs> what a surprise! Go ahead. So I'll t- I'll tell you I'll tell you why they ran, uh, because Navy played a defense that they never played before, and both sides admitted this after the game. You'd know this hmm. if you read my article, Potent Quotables, uh, which I can actually uh, plug now. How about uh-huh. this? The article actually has value. Uh, yeah. So Navy basically took a page out of the Big Twelve uh, because Big Twelve is a bunch of you know actually high octane offenses. And one of the ways that they, they try to stop these high-octane offenses is sort of spread the field out with your defense and play this, what what they call a 3-3 three, three stack. So three in the front, three linebackers, and then five in the back. Yeah, basically, uh, playing, a, basically playing a dime all four, all four downs, basically. or all three downs, yeah. So Navy, so Navy had never played this defense before last week. They, they admitted it, and uh, Heifel said, we had to change our game plan because they were bringing us something that we didn't practice for. We didn't see on tape. We did not practice for this defense because they had never shown it. 
So basically what that defense does, though, is that it basically allows you to run the ball through the middle. Yeah. And so they just said, screw it. We're going to shut it down passing-wise, which is why McKinsey only threw it 21 times, and just run it almost 50 times with our stable of backs. And they did that very successfully, as you should do against such a defense. So basically they adjusted on the fly uh, around the end of the first quarter, late first quarter, because you can see all of a sudden like, they had drives in which McKenzie would throw one pass. Mm-hmm. It was all it was all a function of a sort of late in game. I mean, but also a big part of that too. They were having success. It's not like I mean, right. I, I really oh, well, like, yeah. I, it's not like they couldn't throw the ball. I mean, I don't really believe like oh we can't throw against this defense. They were having success, so why you know if it's working, took, keep doing it. I, I don't, exactly. I don't have they, a problem. But it's it's a it's a it's a function of they took what they gave them. Yeah, Navy yeah. was sure. going to give them six yard runs and not allow them to get, sort of get these like forty yard passes. So. When they would throw, like I, I, you know, I think I asked Frederick Snelson or Mackenzie Melton, one of the guys, you know, on that on that first touchdown, the sort of slant over the middle to or the deep post for, to uh, Snelson, the thirty-four yard touchdown. That was the only pass of the drive, and I said, "Did you think you caught them off guard a little bit because you were just running, running, running?" And he goes, "You know, a little bit, yeah, because you know we know and and they know that they just want to give us runs, and that's what they were doing. And then we we pull it back, we run a little uh, play action RPO." And then we throw it, it does kind of catch them on their heels. I understand they had success with it, but it, that's a function of the defense. The defense wants to keep you in front of them. And so they just basically took what they gave them and they took it right. to six yards, six yards a pop. Right. So it's, a number, point, so it's just a straight point, numbers game. That's what, that's what it is. And then, you know what? Good. Yeah. Then excellent yeah, adjustment by Josh. I, I, I don't have a problem with it if, if it was what Jeff said happened, if it was, you know, the fact he wanted to play close to the vest because he didn't want to, or is the defense, I'm fine with that. The issue that I had from the game is not the offensive standpoint because I was fine with them, what they were doing. I think the concerning thing, I think, is the defense. And the defense got gashed in the second half, not the first half. They got gashed in the second half and, and you know, kept that game somewhat competitive. I don't think anybody ever thought they were in serious danger in that game. But, you know, I mean, you know, you know, I know a lot of fans have loved to use the whole scoreboard comparison thing because, you know, they crushed Pitt and Pitt gave Notre Dame a game and this okay. and this. Well, Cincinnati destroyed Navy. Cincinnati mm-hmm. won 42 to nothing, whereas UCF won by 11. Okay, here's 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 where here's where I'm going to raise my hand even though you can't see it cuz it's a podcast and say, "All right, and, and make a point that Murph and I were also talking about earlier." Okay, ready? Uh, Eric, care to guess where Navy is ranked in FBS and rushing oh. offense? There we go. Yeah, top five. Yes. Third. Uh, where's – okay, now uh, let's see. Let's go down the top ten. All right. Oh, Memphis is here. Where are they ranked? They're near the top. Fifth. I would also uh, argue that UCF see. helped them be one of the reasons let's, why they're one of the best rushing um, teams. Let's see. Have, I mean, okay, well if, that, well, if that's the case, then uh, where's Pitt? one of the better running teams, right? Like, All right. Where's FAU? Well, they got a great back in Singletary. 11th. So you're saying that UCF is – so you're saying there's a perfect – we should just let teams run all over you then? No, no. What, what, I'm, what, I, what, it, what, what Brian and I are saying is that UCF this year has played an inordinate number of the best of the best rushing teams in the country and run the n- ball more because they don't have a good quarterback. Okay, but they are running the ball successfully, not just against UCF. And so it's only natural that UCF is going to struggle against the run on the season. And then the narrative is set. Why can't UCF stuff the run? 
if you look at the statistics from this game in terms of the rushing statistics, yeah, Navy outrushed their their average for the season, but only by about a hundred yards. They actually but that's not even again, but that's not the. I don't even care about the yardage because <laughs> yard. You know, my thing is you gave up twenty four points, twenty four points to a team that doesn't score a lot. They, sc- the they scored. No, 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 no. Listen, they've scored thirty in every game in the winning streak. Twenty two in a row now. Twenty four is less than thirty. Well, okay, I don't understand that. I mean, I, I, that's kind of a weird way to phrase it too. But anyway, uh, <laughs> are we are we are we having this argument if it's thirty five seventeen and Navy doesn't score a meaningless touchdown with two and a half to go? Um, less people are having it. Right. I think that's like the. I think people are more bent out of shape just because of the margin of victory. And I think if it, if it looks better, not that, not saying that we shouldn't have the conversation because yes, there are flaws in this defense, obviously. But I feel like this conversation is a thing now. Because they won by eleven and two is one is only one digit from three as opposed to seventeen thirty five in which it's eighteen yeah. and it looks better. And and then also what uh you see a fumbled inside the inside the red zone at the end of this at the end of the first half, mm-hmm. which would have made it twenty eight to three. Um which stack an, okay, stack another seven and it's forty two twenty four. Are you happy with that victory? Yeah, I mean it's the same thing. Yeah, okay. So I mean that's the same thing. Anyway, all right, we're already over the amount of time that I wanted to do before we got out of the first segment. Let's take but a that's quick break. That's how we run. That's how that's, we roll. That's how we roll. Field. We're yeah, we're always plus ten minutes. Podcasts are great. Stick around. We're going to be right back. We're going to uh, talk men's soccer. They are in the NCAA tournament. We'll hear from head coach Scott Calabrese, and we will also talk to uh, or we will also talk UCF volleyball winning the conference as well. Stick around. The Black and Gold Banneret podcast is back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret podcast is brought to you by Orlando Homes Express, brokered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team at Orlando Homes Express proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Sam is a very proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's got a special deal going on right now for the 2018 UCF football season. Night fans, if you work with Sam to sell your home, he will list it for just 4.8% commission. And if you're buying a home with him, he will rebate you up to $750 at closing. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, Upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give them a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit them on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's WeSellOrlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash we sell Orlando. Get in touch with Orlando Homes Express today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. <laughs> 
You know, Nightline has UCF Sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF Sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. All right, welcome back to the show. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you. UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter, blackandgoldbanneret.com, part of the SB Nation Network. Uh, let's dive back in. Oh, by the way, subscribe to our podcast if you don't already on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, by the way, we're going to preview the Cincinnati game, just a reminder, and in a second show this week, and we're going to record that. Recording this show on Tuesday night. We're going to record that show on Wednesday night. Um, and uh, Eric, you won't be here because you're doing the Magic game. So it'll be me, uh, Brian, and Luke Saris joining you on Wednesday night. So, uh, and, and I say that as though it's live, and it's not. But you'll, you'll probably hear it on Thursday. <laughs> but anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah, that's what happens when you're used to that kind of stuff. All right, so let's talk. Okay, wasn't just college game day. That was the big news on campus over the weekend. Men's soccer and volleyball. Wow. Huge. All right. Um, let's start with men's soccer. They um, miraculously somehow made it into the, America, uh, into the American Athletic Conference final off of the bye um, on a late, late, late goal um, against, uh, against UConn uh, to win in, uh, th- uh, to win three to two in double overtime. They were down. It was a really thrilling match. They were down two nothing. Got a goal early in the uh, second half. Cal Jennings scored late in regulation. Uh, and then on a bizarre sort of sequence at the end with just 13 seconds left <clears throat> before uh, penalty kicks, uh, Max Stiegwert, um knocked in a free kick unassisted uh, off the free kick, just bounced into the goal. And UCF, who attempted 33 shots in that game, gets the 3-2 victory over UConn to move to the final against SMU, who they played last year in Dallas, lost in overtime on a golden goal. Um, again, the dramatics for UCF. They're down one to nothing in this game uh, in the second half. Uh, SMU gets a goal uh, in the 73rd minute. 30 seconds to go. Andres Hernandez... Uh, uh, popped one in to tie the game. So the, the the Miracle Knights, right, the Cardiac Knights, strike again, force overtime. Into the second OT we go. Nobody scores. Um, we go to penalty kicks, and it was UConn getting the win. Uh, or excuse me, I, I'm sorry, SMU. What am I saying? SMU getting the win uh, 5-4 in PKs um, in just the worst possible way to decide a soccer game. Uh, and SMU wins the conference tournament title. However, <clears throat> all is not lost. The Knights um, had the selection show on Monday, and uh, they were selected as uh, as the number 14 national seed, Eric Lopez, as you broke uh, on Twitter. Uh, and, <laughs> and, uh, and in it that has, was weird. That was weird. That was like, a little weird. But um, Murph, you were there, right? You were with the men's soccer team as they were finding out, correct? Correct. Uh, we were watching the NCAA selection show together. 
and and what I found funny was I don't think nobody realized this. I because I unfortunately I'm a, I watch every every NCAA selection show usually when UCF's teams are in it, so I'm sick that way. Um, that show was recorded. It was a taped selection show. It was what? not live. So what happened was I noticed that, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is taped. So I actually fast forwarded to the part where UCF got in. That's how I broke it. Oh my goodness. Huh. Yeah, wow. you guys were. I don't think anybody realized that. It was no. Tape. I, well, wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. It, it, it where did it air? On NCAA.com. Oh, and it's streaming online. So you just fast forwarded it. Oh, okay, because I, I usually yeah. that you see those things on like ESPNU. So you just fast forwarded it and just. Yeah, because when I clicked on the link, I could tell that it was taped because it said it was like a 19 oh, minute. Oh, wow. But I guarantee, huh. I'm guessing that at UC, because I was wondering, like, okay, when's UCF? Why hasn't UCF posted this? So I just tweeted it out. Oh, yeah, they're the 14. And I didn't realize they tweeted it out a couple of minutes. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm, oh, no, they're watching this live. And I, so I felt kind of bad wow, in a so way because I felt well, like you had maybe a lot I spoiled of lead time on that. No, you didn't spoil it because, you know, <laughs> yeah, Brian showed video not, of them reacting to it. And it's, and it's not it's not their fault they taped what should be a live <laughs> broadcast. And put they it didn't up on know the internet. that. I don't think UCF knew that, right? They watched it as if it was live, correct? Correct. And I think they wanted – even if they knew it was taped, they still wanted that sort of reaction. The drama, the reaction. Yeah, yeah. right. So, you know, there was a so moment there – there was a moment there before they were announced that they announced UCLA – and uh, you could like hear the ooh in the room, you know, because UCLA, not UCF. Um, yeah, I, I was a spoiler alert. That was a spoiler that, that I gave. It, <laughs> it wasn't a prediction. It was a spoiler, as uh, they like to say. So I was kind of, but I didn't realize that. I just, you know, that's how I kind of. That's why I was like the first to post it. All right. Eric, Lo- Eric, Eric Lopez, Lopez, so good. He knows the NCAA tournament field before the NCAA tournament field announced. Are we are we gonna have to add soccer soccer woge to your title too of, of softball woge? I guess inadvertently, um, you know. Uh, yeah. So, so here's so here's the story. UCF is the 14th seed. There's there's 48 teams. It's not a 64 team tournament. Top 16 teams get buys in the first round. UCF is one of them. They will play the winner of Washington and Lipscomb. Lipscomb won the Atlantic Sun. They're a 500 team. They're nine and nine on the season, and I think they have four ties or something like that. Washington is 12 and seven on the year. Um, and they finished third in the Pac-12, which, interestingly enough, has six men's soccer teams, not twelve. So that, so that's who, so that's who UCF is going to play. They're going to play the winner of that game on campus at UCF on Sunday at six p.m. Obviously, Washington is the favorite, being a Pac-12 playing against an A-Sun team. But the NCAA must have a deal with flights from Seattle to Orlando. Yeah, I know. A year ago. The women's team had to play Washington State in the opening round of yeah. the tournament. Um, so I'm guessing Washington State flew out of Seattle, and now here comes if you know whoever wins the Washington Lipscomb match going to fly out of Seattle. Now the difference is they're only going to have like a day or two to adjust, whereas Washington State had a whole week to prepare to travel to Orlando last year in the women's side. So, but it's kind of it's interesting that what are the odds that you know two you know they would have a team from Washington potentially come to yeah. UCF. Well, that, that game is going to be played Thursday in Seattle at uh, 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 Pacific. So we'll know, I mean, if you're really nuts, I mean, you'll find out, you know, probably in the wee hours. But um, but we'll more than, li- more than likely know Friday uh, morning. Um, Br- uh, Brian, you were there. You got some audio for us. Here is uh, Cal Jennings, and, uh, UCF's amazing goal scorer, dude. 
and Yannick Edel, the goalkeeper. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy about it. I, I know the rest of the team is too, and we're just going to have to get to work and practice and prepare for whoever we get in the next round. Uh, it's, it's definitely nice to have a little rest or a little extra rest and then get a home game early on. So uh, I think it's important, but uh, either way, like I said, if we were placed in the first round, we'd be ready to go too. It was, it was amazing. Uh, we won the conference for the first time uh, for in, the, in the American Athletic Conference. And um, we knew that we we have a we had a good season, but um, seeing seeing UCF up there is, is pretty pretty awesome. Uh, it's been a it's been a great match. Uh, we never have an easy matchup with SMU, apparently. Um, we we came back from that um, from that one zero uh, that SMU scored, and um, and I think it was a great great team effort. Losing in penalties is uh, never something to be sad of. It's it's uh, just like a 50-50 thing. Great teams lose in penalties. It's it always happens, and uh, it was important that we came back. All right, that was Cal Jennings and uh, Yannick Edel, the goalkeeper. So, so um, you know, all in all, not a bad place for UCF to be. Uh, you know, maybe they would have been a little bit higher had they beaten SMU, but um, I, think I remember. This, yeah, uh, it was a draw, not a loss. That's true. That's true. And I think that helped them. I think that helped them maintain that buy. Is that it is technically a draw? Don't ask me about this. It's soccer. What you know? They they like to play by different rules. But technically, that was a draw. That's how it goes down on the record books, and that's how usually they do it in soccer. So that gotcha. did not hurt CF actually. All right. So uh, earlier today, Eric Lopez caught up with uh, head coach Scott Calabrese. Eric. Yeah, I had a chance to talk to Coach Calabrese, who's done it again in his second season at UCF. He's led the Knights into the NCAA tournament. It's the third program that Scott Calabrese has turned around and taken to the NCAA tournament. He did that at East Tennessee State and at FIU as well. But this year has been a remarkable year for Calabrese, and I had a chance to talk to him earlier about this season, about getting into the NCAA tournament, getting into that bye, and how has he turned this program around so fast? Like, again, what's the secret to it? Here's my conversation with UCF men's head soccer coach, Scott Calabrese, here on the Black and Go Banneret. And joining us now in his second season, the head coach of the UCF men's soccer team is the 14th national seed in the NCAA tournament. Of course, the Knights will be home on Sunday as they will be in the second round. They'll take on the winner of the Washington-Lipscomb match. And uh, Coach Calabrese, kind enough to join us back here on Black and Go Banneret. And uh, Coach, congrats. Uh, take me through that day on Monday on Selection Show going into it. What was going through your mind? What did you expect? And then your reaction once you saw the the, the name there with the bye, most importantly. Well, um, obviously it was a it was a great day uh, for for our program and and for the players. Um, you know, going into the selection show, we we knew that obviously we were in the tournament. We we thought at the very least we had put together a a resume to host. Um, but then in, in reality, we were. We were wondering, okay, uh, and hoping that we would we would get the bye. Um, it's really difficult to play on Saturday and try to turn around and play on Thursday, even if you're at home. And we, we had picked up a bunch of injuries. So uh, as we were watching the screen, you, we, you know, we knew the RPIs of some of the other teams. And so uh, we saw Akron uh, not get a bye, and, and they were right next to us in terms of the RPI. So we thought that was good. But then we saw Syracuse, who was higher than us, they, they got a seed and and uh, and a buy and so that that didn't look good and then uh, I'll I'll say this we were 
relieved and excited when we saw our names pop up and that we were we were seated and that that we would play at home on Sunday. Um, so massive, massive day for for the guys and and for our program. What was the thoughts on the draw you've gotten? I mentioned you're going to play the winner of Washington and Lipscomb. I know you're not going to look any further than that, but obviously yeah. Kentucky uh, is in that draw as a three. So what was your thoughts on the draw as a whole? Well, I, you know, I, I think when you get to this this point in, in the season and every player that's in that NCAA tournament bracket is either a champion of their league or they've had a season where they're a top 30 RPI. Um, so every team is seasoned. Every team is, is battle tested. Um, they're all playing well this time of year. So when, when we saw Washington and Lipscomb, uh, we knew they're very different types of teams. Washington is a more like athletic, direct four, four, two team that is good on set pieces, high, like very organized defensively. Uh, and Lipscomb is a little different. They're maybe a bit more like us, which is this, um, attacking minded possession oriented team. So they're two different teams, but they're two teams that ultimately are at a really high level at this part of the season, which, which is why they're drawn into the NCAA tournament. So, uh, either way is a big challenge. Whoever so, we face. So take us through this process. Cause you don't know who you will play until that match is completed. And so, I mean, yeah. do you, do, what do you do in the meantime? Do you just focus on your own team until that match? Do you do scouting for both teams in advance and then wa- and then see how the result goes as you watch that match? What, 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 take us through this process now from now till Sunday. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll do a bit of both. Um, so today, the first day back from, from being off was, was kind of our, our DNA as a program and as a team and, and what we do, which is possession and speed of play and, trying to retain the ball and circulate the ball. Um, and that, that translates to whichever team we play, any team we play. Um, because that, that, that's our philosophy and, and how we think we're equipping ourselves best to win. Uh, but then simultaneously now we're, we're going to be downloading today video from, from both the teams, Lipscomb and Washington. We're going to prep, um, two presentations and two game plans. And, uh, and, and we're, we're obviously going to be watching really closely on Thursday when those two teams play. And then uh, we might implement elements. If we see some commonality between prepping for both teams, we might implement some, some things in, in the coming days uh, with, with regard to both teams. But, but then Friday is all about whatever team we're going to play and, and implementing that game plan. Uh, and then we'll have Friday, Saturday to prep and Sunday to play. I've uh, and and the beauty of this buy is it gets you a chance to recover from what I thought was in one of the most incredible soccer tournament championships that I can remember. You know, coach, I thought when you win a regular season title, you get rewarded and a benefit, and I don't know what reward you got because you you had to go through the other two teams in the conference that made the NCAA tournament in UConn, where you had to come back from a huge deficit in the second half down to a couple goals, and then oh by the way, then you play SMU into a dramatic match where you send it into overtime. What what was the benefit of that? That was incredible. I know from a from a coaching standpoint, it might have been not what you would have hoped for, but from a fan standpoint, that's just as dramatic as I've seen in a long time in any sport. It, it, it was. I think there is one major benefit, and the major benefit is that we essentially have played two games that are like an NCAA game, and and we've played them recently, and the 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 tension in the game, the importance of the game, the intensity of the game. 
all match up with what this game on Sunday is going to feel like and be like. Um, so that is the preparation. But obviously we faced two top teams and uh, had to come, that, that UConn game, to come from behind from 2-0 down to win with 12 seconds left in double overtime. It was, it was an amazing performance from our, from our players. Um, and it speaks to the character of the group and what, what they're capable of. Uh, and then obviously heartbreaking for us to, to lose in penalty kicks um, to SMU. Uh, and, and just a credit to our guys but because we, we experienced a lot of adversity in that game. At the end of the game, there were, uh, there were a lot of players on the bench uh, with injuries that, that typically would be on that field. Um, and the players that came in in, in in their place put us in a position where we could win that game. Um, their performances were, were exceptional. And so um, but that, that's the nature of sport. And, um, you know, SMU is a good team, um, and, and they, they did what they needed to do and, and got us in penalty kicks. Uh, but I'm extremely proud of our guys. And that's the thing. A lot of times when you fall behind two goals against a UConn team, it's one of the better defensive teams. Uh, and, and even when, you know, yeah. trailing SMU so late like you did, a lot of teams would be done. And yet your team has that knack to find ways to get that goal and find ways there. What is it about this team? There seemed to be something about this team that uh, that knows how to, even when things aren't going well, that they find ways when it doesn't, when it looks bleak, that they kind of, find ways to win matches or get back in matches? Well, I, th- I think belief. And, and I think uh, with our season, and even if you look at the end of last season where, you know, we, didn't, we lost one game out of eight to end our season, uh, and then we kind of picked up where we left off and continuously trying to improve. Um, I think when when you have success like we've had, we've been in situations where we've been down. We've been in situations where we've been up big. We've been, we've been in a lot of different big games. Um, I don't think there's a score line or amount of time left on the clock where we don't think, okay, now's the time we're going to get back in it. Um, so it's, it's, it's belief in each other. Uh, the, the group believes in, in what we're doing. And uh, I, I think that gives them this confidence no matter what is going on, that, that we can absolutely change our fate and get right back in it and win the game. And one of the guys that's been a big part of that is Cal Jennings. What a year he has had among the nation's leader in goal scoring. Uh, yeah. uh, just talk about him. What was it about him? I mean, you coached him last year, and we saw him last year. But, you know, I remember we talked before the season, and we wondered, okay, who's going to take some of the scoring that you lost from last season from Matthias yeah. uh, graduating, and boy, Cal has done that and then some and, and at a level. He's going to be an all, should be an All American and could be a National Player of the Year candidate. He was certainly the American Conference yeah. Player of the Year. Just what have you seen from his growth in his game this season? Well, I think that the first thing is that Cal, Cal is not moved by the accolades or you know his personal success. He, he is a hundred percent a team player, and he's so focused on his teammates and he's so humble uh, by, by just how, how he, how he has dealt with his success is incredible. Um, and I think that's really his key. He just focuses every day on the process and getting better and working hard and trying to be the best version of himself. Um, and also he's this incredible teammate who supports his, his team members um, and gives them the credit that, 
that they deserve um, for, for he, he'll tell you when he scores a goal, he's usually, um, he's usually talking about the guy that passed him the ball and how important that pass was um, and, and how important the guy is that won the ball in the midfield so that that person could pass him the ball so that he could score the goal. So, um, you know, he, he's obviously a very talented young man, but I really think it has a lot to do with who he, has, who he is as a person. And, that, and that's why he's successful, and that's why he's going to continue to be successful. Uh, some, it, absolutely, he's going to be. He's got a bright future ahead of him. Uh, so does guys yeah. like a midfield. You had some great meal for, uh, midfielders, Yoni and, and Lewis. Of course, Lewis Perez was the midfielder of the year in the conference, and of course, Yoni Sor- Sorokin. Uh, boy, talk about the midfield. Talk about the midfield play you've had this year. You had to be pleased with, especially being young there. Yeah, we we have a really young team overall. When when you look at the uh, the starting 11 the, the, that we typically put out, there's a lot of freshmen and sophomores in that group. Um, but you, you look at that midfield, and that midfield really facilitates uh, the way we're able to play. And so Yoni and Louie are so calm in possession. Um, things can be happening all around them, and they're almost always making the right choice, picking up the ball in the right areas, being able to find space, being calm and technical under pressure, uh, they they really help us. We're a really attacking-minded team, and they, they help us to move the ball up the field. They help us to get the ball from the back line into the front line, and that front line doesn't have to come searching for the ball because Louie and Yoni and, and now Walker is playing in there now, uh, Mauricio. That, that, those, those forwards and wingers don't have to come searching for the ball because they're going to they're gonna get the ball in the right position because those players are able to give them the ball in the right position. Uh, and that, that's really key to the way we play. And defensively, you've had to be good, and you're good. I mean, you're led by the goalkeeper of the year in, in Yannick. And what, how, does, how much confidence does Yannick give the rest of your defense in that back line that he's a guy that can make a big save and, and, and maybe clean up a, a mistake that might have been made? Well, Yannick, Yannick has a presence to him. Um, he's just this incredibly mature person, and he just gives you so much confidence. Um, he gives you confidence when you're in possession and you're trying to build the ball out of the back. He can get the ball at his feet and, and he can help us play out. He gives us confidence um, just with his personality and then his performances. Obviously, those, those have been fantastic. Uh, and you need a goalkeeper to come up and make a big save in a big moment to keep either you close. Uh, and, and this went for the UConn game. There were two or three opportunities for UConn in, in um, that game where they could have gone 3-0 up. And if they had gone 3-0 up, that, that probably would have been it. I don't know if the comeback would have happened. But, but he kept us in that game and then gave us a chance, uh, especially when you start to risk players going forward. And, and that's how you get back in the game. He makes two saves, and then we go down, and now it's 2-1, and the, it's a whole different ballgame. Um, but, you know, he, he's been tremendous, and he, he continues to be a leader for us. Uh, both in the locker room and on the field. He made some big saves to win you the championship on the final night of the regular season, that November 3rd match against Cincinnati. Tight Absolutely. match, and boy, I thought it was fitting. You had an hour delayed of weather, of course, because you had to, you know, it wasn't going to go smooth as planned. Um, and since then, you know, and you knew what was at stake, and then Perez got the goal in the 83rd minute. Just take me through that moment and that match, knowing what was at stake, and then when you got that final whistle and you won it, and you realized you just won the regular season championship. Well, that, that was a game 
and and you can't separate the occasion sometimes from the game. Uh, but it was a big occasion because everybody knew, our players knew uh, that this was this was the game that would, if we won it, it that we we get our first regular season championship. Um, and so that that right there, no matter what we do as coaches, because we never talked about it. We just focused on Cincinnati and the process and how we were going to play. Uh, but no matter, you know, how we direct their attention, they knew. And so we started a little tight in that game, um, a little bit nervous. And, and after halftime, we really went after them. But then their goalkeeper stood on his head, had an unbelievable game. Um, and there were two, three, maybe four chances that we jumped up as a staff and the team jumped up because we thought it's in the back of the net and, and the goalkeeper just had such an incredible night. We weren't sure it was going to happen. Then Louis' goal was uh, at nearly every level, it's an impressive goal. Uh, and it was, it was so exciting to see us, you know, finally get over that final hurdle um, and, and tick off one of the goals that we had for the season, which was to, to – to bring home a regular season championship, the UCF. So it, it was, it was an incredible feeling for the guys. Um, and they, they deserved it. They deserved it. The, the work that they put in all year, they've performed well, they've gotten the results. Um, and so I was, I was really, really happy for the, for these guys. This is, of course, the third program you've taken to the NCAA tournament. You took, obviously, FIU prior, prior to coming here to the NCAA tournament. You took East yeah. Tennessee State to the NCAA tournament prior to this. You built and you turned those programs around, and you've turned UCF around here quickly in two years. Uh, uh, what, what's the secret there? Because this isn't a pattern now. You've been able to turn programs around here and get them to the NCAAs. And, and what was fascinating here, Coach, and you know, I'm sure you heard whispers when you took this job. I mean, UCF men's soccer's had success, but they hadn't won a regular regular season conference title since the 2004 when they were in the A-Sun and many people on the outside always think of women's soccer and men's soccer sometimes has been in the shadow of the success rightfully of the women's soccer program so how have you been able to with all that turn this program into not only an NCAA tournament team but a conference champion and a national seed in just your second year Uh, you know we this is going to sound uh, maybe cliche, but it's just we just constantly focus on the process. Uh, we have an unbelievable staff, um, from Paul Souders to Jamie Davies, my two assistants, uh, Ryan Coulter, who's our volunteer assistant, um, the trainers, the the support staff that that supports them academically. That we have we have such an incredible staff, um, and we focus every day on the process and, and getting better. And, and it's, it's, it's always improving. We're always trying to improve what we're doing. We're always trying to improve the culture of the program. Um, and we're always trying to improve on the field too. And, and, and I think when we generally, when I've, I've started these projects, uh, we don't, we, we have an idea of what the end product looks like. And we're always working towards this end product. Um, which is to have this incredible culture within our team to play exciting attacking football that is fun for the guys to play and and wins games um, to recruit and retain people of character, young student athletes who who can really really elevate our program um, both as players and as human beings. Uh, 
and and we we do it as a group um, and we focus on that process day in and day out and then wherever that leads us we, we've been very fortunate in that in that process it has led us to to this success um, and but but the process is still going on it's, it was going on this morning we're, we're out there coaching and, and trying to get this team better and, and better prepared for um, the game on Sunday uh, and and it'll, it'll go on tomorrow and and, and until uh, you know, we ultimately we we reach that game on Sunday, and, and hopefully are able to get that result. One person that uh, always believed you would turn this program around quickly, uh, and she told me this a year ago when you arrived, was Coach Sahadak, who you know very well. You coached her, obviously. Uh, she told me that. And, and what does that mean to have somebody that you know on the women's soccer side that you know very well, and, and there's that support on both sides and to help you out and, and be successful for everybody, uh, for both women's and men's soccer? Well, I, I, you know, I, I love Tiff. And, and, and Tim, and they're incredible people. Um, I think our programs, uh, A, we support each other. We, we support each other so much. We have so much, I have so much respect for them um, because in the end, they, they do things with absolute integrity. They care about their student athletes. Um, and and it, it's great, to be honest, for us. Uh, I'll go and I'll sit in their office uh, and they'll come over here and we'll sit and we'll talk about everything from, you know, how we're, how we're interacting with our student athletes to how we're training our student athletes to, um, to ev- everything that goes on within a program. And, uh, it's just, it's great to have that kind of relationship, uh, which, which of course grew years and years ago, uh, when, when I was part of the WSA and was, was coaching TIFF, um, and you know, I, I, it's it's awesome. Not not everyone is as fortunate as I am to to work with such great people. Um, but but again, it, it's very consistent at UCF to to have the opportunity. There's so many great people here in you know women's soccer, the other sports, the the support we get academically. Um, it's it's just an incredible environment for these student athletes and, and for us as coaches to coach them. Tremendous competition, too. If uh, Everybody seems like it's top 25 now. Volleyball just won the conference title. Uh, certainly, exactly. uh, they're having a tremendous year, and football's having a great year. They're going to have college game day on campus. I'm curious, from your perspective, having a college game day, I know it's just a, another sport in football, but all the exposure that the school is going to get this week nationally has oh. to help you from a recruiting standpoint, too, right? It just, it's not just a football thing. This is an all-sports thing this week for everybody, isn't it? Well, I, I think um – a long time ago, my first boss as an AD, he used to always say, all ships rise together. And when football is successful and, and has, these, has this national attention, these, these opportunities, uh, then, then we're successful. It, it, it helps us to be successful. And that, that's the same thing with when women's soccer is successful, when volleyball is successful. Um, you know, I, I, I just think every program – uh, and the, the, the coaches are so supportive of each other, but, but we're, we're all so grateful uh, for each other, especially when, when you have football doing what they're doing and, and putting the spotlight on our university, our athletic department. It, it absolutely helps every program here. 
And I think it starts at the top with uh, Danny White, right? Because I've seen him at every sporting event. A lot of ADs have that lip service about supporting everybody, but he's genuinely at every sporting event he, uh, that I see him at. Uh, that, and I'm sure that was a big part of what convinced you to come to UCF uh, was with the vision that uh, Danny White would have, and, and you knew you were going to have his you know, the support from him, and, and, and he would help you out with whatever you needed to be successful. It, it, it absolutely comes from the top. Um, and, and you look at how he's treated um, and I think this is a great example, the, the nutrition center. The, the nutrition center is not a football nutrition center. It's, it's every program has benefited from that initiative. Uh, and and he, he is absolutely committed, and, uh, and, and not just through words, but through, through all of the things that he has done since he's been here to elevating every program and giving them the resources and support uh, that, that they need. And I, I'm incredibly grateful that, that Danny gave me the opportunity to, to be here and, and lead this program. Um, and, and I'm excited for where we can take it and how, how much we can, you know, we want to build upon this year uh, and continue to grow it. Um, and that, that's his vision. And I think the coaches here and the players here are energized by his vision. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, we're, we're riding a wave right now of um, success from the programs, but, but also uh, from what Danny is doing in, in terms of elevating this athletic department. No question about it. Of course, uh, Scott Calabrese, our head coach here, UCF will be playing in the NCAA tournament Sunday, 6 o'clock. Go to UCFKnights.com for all the details. Uh, go out and support the team. And that's the last question I have for you, Coach. Uh, for those that are going to go out there, what's going to be the key to be successful here in the, in the NCAA tournament? To do that? You, know, you mentioned that the conference tournament helped you. It was basically like the NCAA tournament, and here we are. You're going to face a really good team uh, come Sunday. What's going to be the key to be successful and hopefully make a deep run? Well, I think, I think we've now been in big games. So the occasion, we're used to this occasion. Uh, I, I think, I think we, we have to be, and we'll, we'll take care of having a great tactical plan, but the guys have to come out. They're going to be incredibly motivated. Um, but also we, we've had amazing crowds in these last two events, the semifinal against UConn and then the final against SMU. If, and, and that energizes our guys. So, A, for one, Thank you, those players, those uh, students and people in the community that have come out and supported us in those games. And we would love to see you again uh, on Sunday at 6 p.m. to to cheer us on and, and help elevate us. We definitely want everybody to come out there. Six o'clock again at the UCF Soccer Complex. Check out UCFKnights.com for all the details. You can buy your tickets there uh, and go support uh, this great team here as they will be in the NCAA tournament hosting here on Sunday and who knows beyond that. Coach, uh, congrats again on so far all the success to this point. Uh, thanks again for taking the time from a busy schedule and uh, certainly we're rooting you on here, not just Sunday and beyond, hopefully. Uh, take care and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks again to Coach Calabrese for uh, joining us here. And uh, thanks to our friend, my friend uh, Kelly Cardner, of course, the media relations at UCF for helping to set that up. And, uh, guys, I got to tell you, I, I am so impressed with Coach Calabrese. It's unbelievable. What a job he's done. And he talked about college game day and the impact that's going to have on his program. He's so aware of what's going on around him. And, I, man, I could make the case, guys, that of all the great hires, Danny White, every hire has been – nail it out of the park i think we would all agree with that you can make the case this might have been his best hire yet right i mean to turn around this program and get it into the ncaa tournament and be a national seed 
to host. What a job. And, 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 and with this exciting brand that you've seen, Jeff, up close and uh, this year and things like that, with up-tempo offense, just like the football team taking shots from anywhere. And it's just what a job. And I'm so impressed with him. And, uh, you know, as somebody who follows soccer closely, I go to, go to Orlando City matches. My friend Trace, who's a season ticket holder, I think would agree with me on this. I mean, it's nice for a change to see a team in Orlando with creativity and, and great coaching and oh, offense, yeah. and that's what we have. We're fortunate at UCF with that. He's unbelievable. Well, I would love to. I would love to uh, buy the uh, Scott Calabrese book on how to do soccer, because yeah. it's it, they're the most exciting soccer team I've ever seen at any level. I mean, we saw it in the UConn match. Thirty-three shots. There's they've never met a shot they didn't like, and when you see them in person. You know, the strikers and the midfielders just constantly attack. Cal Jennings has scored tw- more than 20 goals this season. The amazing thing about it for me, and I just watched him for most of the match, he is running around at full speed, constantly attacking the goal. There's no stop in that kid. And I don't know how he doesn't pass out on the field after the first 45 minutes. I really don't. It's... And they make it look so effortless. If if every team, and I've said this on Twitter, if every team in the United States, MLS teams included, played soccer the way UCF plays soccer under Scott Calabrese, it would be the second most popular sport in the country. I'm absolutely convinced of that because he has figured out how to play an exciting brand of soccer that wins games and... To, and and has done so with you know players who are you know let's say let's say it's very good right, um mm-hmm. quite possibly a few MLS prospects on there but this is not the Brazilian national team, okay, <laughs> no. but it, it, you know let's let's just put that let's just put that up there all right this is a really really exciting brand of soccer that is just an absolute blast I would to say watch this. I have a blast watching that team. I would if I was a soccer fan I would rather have season tickets to UCF men's soccer than Orlando City. Period. All right. I think it's a better brand. It's more exciting. That's I a, agree with you. That's a strong hot take. <laughs> Murph, you were with me on, City on Sunday. Would, would not be say this a stretch, but yeah, I think yeah. so. Murph, I, mean, you I think were, he's tremendous, and we're fortunate. Sorry, sorry, Eric. Murph, you were with me on Sunday. I mean, you, you always like to joke about how little soccer you watch, but I mean, I mean, was, it was sa- I mean, it was Saturday, Jeff. But who's Saturday, counting? Yeah, Saturday. Sorry, but anyway. Yes, I was. I was making my way over from the football game because I was literally the last person in the press box along with uh, SID Dan Forcella. And I figured, hey, what the hell? I'll stop in. I'll watch, I'll watch a few minutes of the soccer match. And then it goes into the double OT. Yeah, because of course it does. You must have been thrilled yeah. when that happened. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> but anyway. Um, but it was fun. It was, and, and, and the atmosphere out there is legitimate. Yeah. They, the fans yes. really did come out. Yeah, and it was yeah, fun. Coach when Calvary's they scored that. To that. Yeah. When they scored that tie and goal, man, that place just exploded, man. That was awesome. Yeah. Gosh, that was yeah. that was a lot of fun. So congratulations to Coach Calabrese and company. We will be covering that match on, again, Sunday at 6 against either Washington, the Washington Huskies, or the Lipscomb Bisons. Not the Bison, the Bisons. Um, and, uh, yeah, 6 p.m. at the UCF Soccer Complex if you're interested in coming out for an NCAA second-round soccer game. By the way, UCF has never advanced. Men's soccer has never advanced past the second round. They get to start in the second round. So that's yeah. kind of cool. All right. So, uh, all right. Now, now, UCF men's soccer was not the only UCF team to play for a conference championship. And even though they didn't win the conference championship, there was one team that did, and that's UCF volleyball. 
on Sunday. Uh, they clinched. Now, there's no conference tournament in the American in volleyball, but uh, the Knights uh, took care of business on uh, a pretty big home uh, weekend um, as they, uh, they, with five matches to go, we knew that this could happen. But they knock off Cincinnati on Friday uh, in five in a match where you could sense, you could literally feel both teams thinking. It was a real chess match out there between clearly the two best teams in the American in volleyball. Jordan Thompson had another incredible match um, with over 30 kills, but UCF took care of business. They were down two to one. They pushed it to five, and then they and then they just dispatched Cincinnati in the fifth set uh, to win the match in five. And that set up Sunday against ECU, uh, where UCF swept the Pirates and clinched at least a share of the American Athletic Conference championship. But they get the auto bid uh, to the NCAA's, and here's why: with three matches to go, UCF is undefeated in conference. Uh, at 15 and oh, 24 and three overall, they've won 21 matches in a row, which is one short of the Division One program record, which was set back uh, 21 years ago in 1997. Um, if that now they're undefeated, Cincinnati has three losses. Technically, UCF could lose out at SMU at Houston, home for USF to finish out, and Cincinnati could win out and they could tie. But UCF has the tiebreaker. And so UCF, having that hammer, got to raise the trophy uh, on uh, Sunday. Todd Dagenet, uh winning his second American Athletic Conference uh, championship as UCF's head coach. Um, this young team that uh, he and his staff assembled with one senior, Jordan Pingle, um, they have not lost a match. This is just incredible to me. They haven't lost a match. Uh, since they lost to Florida on Sunday, September 2nd. That's the day before Labor Day. Um, and here they are, going back to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2014. Uh, here's Coach Dagenet after the match, along with Jordan Pingle and Brianna Garcia. You know, I think sometimes you head into a year and you know, you know that you got a chance to win a championship. And I'm going to be really honest, you know, heading into this year, I thought that we'd have a good team. I thought maybe we could be competitive. We knew how good Cincinnati was. We knew how good Wichita SMU could be. We knew that Tulsa, Tulane, I mean, you name it, there's a lot of teams that could have been in a position to win a championship this year. And, um, you know, somehow, some way, we just started getting on a roll. We just started winning matches. Um, and, you know, I, I really didn't know um, how much we were in it until that first time we went up to Cincinnati. We went up there and were able to beat them on their floor. During that time, we won a lot of close matches. And, but, you, you know, are you waiting for the freshmen to hit the wall? They're going to get tired. And, and uh, if you'd have told me 18 and 12 at the beginning of the year, I would have taken that. If you would have told me we'd be just over 500, I probably would have believed you. Um, but like we've talked about all year long, it's all the intangibles. You know, other teams may have players that jump a little bit higher, move a little bit quicker, do some other things. But we have the best collection of people playing together. Um, you know, I'd said it before. You know, we not, we might not be on paper the best team, but I think on the floor we play really well as a team. And I think in that aspect, I feel like, you know, we went out there and we were able to take care of things. And I think they deserve to win the championship, and, and I'm glad that they got it. 
I think it just came from instilling the culture early and having that few extra weeks of the Puerto Rico time really helped. Um, I had a lot of help from the upperclassmen and honestly everyone, everyone just bought in really easily. We knew what our goal was, we set it straight from the beginning and we just locked in on what the team culture was, what it meant to be a champion and what the championship team would look like and we just locked in from there. How far can this team get? I think we can go very far. I'm very excited to see you. We're not done yet, so. The USC game was a big turning point. We knew we had the potential, and we finally had showed it in that game. And we have a lot of younger people, but they are so smart, and their volleyball IQ is so high, and they are resilient young people, and they are powerful young people. And I love to tell our team that we are young, but we are powerful. And we cannot be stopped if we put our mind to it. And I have great admiration for how young and how talented they are, so I'm excited to see how they progress in the future. I think... With having like a young team, I've never been on this young of a team before, and the leadership from the start, from the freshmen to the seniors, it was all the same. So how we treat each other was the same. It wasn't like, oh, you're older. Um, if you're younger, you get treated differently. It was all the same, and we all came in working hard, and we knew that we could get to this point from the start. I remember I walked in my first day, and it said AAC Champions 2018, and that was our goal, and that's what we got to now. All right, well, that was Coach Todd, uh, followed by Jordan Pingle and Brianna Garcia uh, following East Carol following the East Carolina match for UCF where they uh, clinched the American Athletic Conference championship. What a ride for this team. They are on the road this weekend, so unfortunately we won't see them at college game day. Boo. Um, at SMU on Friday at 3, at Houston Sunday at 2. They have one more home match on the season against South Florida Wednesday. It's the day before Thanksgiving at 7 p.m., do yourself do every do yourself a favor. Um, stay off the roads on Wednesday night. Come see UCF volleyball. How about that? Um, but yeah, so what a what a fall this has been. Football. We know about the success there. Men's soccer. Wow, we just got done talking about that. Volleyball. Out of nowhere, they would have been pretty, like Todd said. They would have he would have been happy with like you know fourth or fifth. They won the conference. They've won 24 of their 27 matches. Um, and they may have a shot at hosting Eric Lopez. They do. I mean, they're, uh, what, 10 in the RPI. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. I think with a they dropped down to, to 11 by virtue of playing ECU. But that's still yeah. well within range. It's in range. They're going to be in the mix. They probably have to win out and then see what happens. But let's not. Uh, we'll, we'll, turn, we'll focus on that down the road. Let's just talk about the team on the, the court and what a job they did. I was there for ECU. Murph, you saw them against Cincinnati in that dramatic match. And again, mm-hmm. I keep saying this. We had Coach Dagenet on, and I keep. I'm just so impressed. This is a team that has only one senior, Jordan Pingle, who I tweeted out, and I'm going to write about this probably post football season, probably in December, maybe, about a Ring of Honor of a Hall of Fame type for all UCF sports and who would be in it. And I think Jordan Pingle, who I've, you know, you, Jeff, you've seen for many years and I've seen him for, uh, as well. It's got to go down as one of the greats in the history of that program. What a leader, which he brings on and off the court. And it's just, I'm so impressed by that team. They don't act like you would thought, okay, East Carolina, you have that emotional match against Cincinnati. Maybe there's a letdown and they wasn't, they took care of business quickly. They took care of it in straight sets. Uh, they are just a locked in. They play much. They, if you watched them, if you know what year they were in, you would have thought they had a bunch of juniors and seniors on that team, the way they act on the court. I was just mm-hmm. so impressed. And a credit to Coach Dagenet, who I was happy. And you heard the clip. I asked him about it, how he's – and I'm happy that he's enjoying this more 
and he didn't, and he yeah. admitted he didn't. You know, he didn't embrace it four years ago. You know, you're kind of in that coaching mindset about yeah. ah, it's all about the next game and this. I'm happy for him as a human, as a person, to enjoy this because he's working. You know, he's had some obstacles, ups and downs, uh, uh, throughout this time here with health issues and things like that. And I'm happy that he's enjoying it and his staff which he's built a great staff led by Jenny Maurer, uh, of course, who handles the offense and has really done a tremendous job, I, I think, in recruiting and helped them. And as well as a, another, the other staff that you enjoy very much yeah. as well, Jeffrey. Brian Doyen, yeah, who's also been a, yeah. yeah, Brian Doyen's been amazing. You know, I, I, I'm so glad you said that because, you know, Todd told me, he said, you know, when I, when I won it in 2014, I didn't ever even touch the trophy. And he told me he hadn't even, he hadn't even touched it <laughs> for four years. But they brought the trophy out, and he picked it up, and he's like, you know, I've never even, I've never even picked this thing up, the first one that I won. He says, I'm going to enjoy this one. And I was like, you know, he, you know, he deserved it for the job they did. And, you know, he, it, 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 it's how this team came together, and I think, you know, Jordan um, alluded to it in her interview as well, is that sometimes it's just everything just falls into place. And, you know, they have such great volleyball IQ. This team does, and uh, and it just shows on the floor. It's a reflection of her. It's a reflection also of the, of the play, young players that they brought in. Some of them are, some of them are the daughters of coaches. I know McKenna Melville's mom is one of the winningest volleyball coaches in the state of Minnesota, and a true great up there in the land of ten thousand lakes. Um, and uh, this team, you can tell, is just so incredibly well coached, and they were well coached before they came in, and they're well coached now. So. Um, congrats to this team. Really happy for them, and um, and they're not done yet. We we might see uh, an NCAA volleyball match, at least one, in the venue, which would be just amazing. I mean, it would really be something. I I hope that it does come to pass. UCF's lone loss out of RPI top twenty five teams is at Florida. Um, their RPI top twenty five wins against Southern Cal, and then uh, the two against Cincy. So, but. Hey, I mean, this is what we've this is what we've waited for, and it came together. And now they have three matches to go. They get one more win, and they wrap the conference outright. So um, they still have plenty to play for. And then we still have the war on I four to settle as well on the day before Thanksgiving. So um, again, congratulations to UCF volleyball and and the job that uh, Todd and his players have done. All right. So uh, as we wrap up here, um, now I mentioned we're the. This is our, this is not our only podcast this week. It's just too crazy of a week. We're going to preview Cincinnati in our next show. It's going to be me, Brian, and Luke Sarris. We've got a whole right. bunch of content coming out this week. Much of it already out. Um, I'm I I'm going to be seeing double by the end of this week with all. This. By the way, folks, for you basketball fans, they're going to talk about the basketball teams on that episode. Yes. Thankfully, because I didn't want I I I, I, I oh, requested it, it, they, they should save for that one. Is yeah. that what we're doing? Okay. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna. Duly yeah, noted. We're gonna, we're gonna. We're gonna do that. We're gonna. We're, we're oh, gonna yeah. not. Yeah, we're not gonna. We're not gonna spoil this incredible podcast, which is so fun by talking about a loss to FAU. But anyway, um, the other than that, we've got a whole bunch of stuff having to do with college game day coming up also uh, this week. Uh, Brian, what are you working on? I, I'm working on getting my body back to full strength. <laughs> I know. Uh, because I already well, have a just throat. In, just I'm in time sniff- for college game day to come to town. I'm I'm sniffling. I'm sneezing too much. My legs are kind of weak, but again, that's sort of how it goes. I uh, see what I did. I, I had I had it. I got it. I had that the funk last Thanks. week. You could probably tell. I actually kind of still have it a little bit. I I don't know if I gave it to you, but my son gave it to me. Um, 
and yeah, it's just oh god, it's awful. It's going around, man. Unbelievable. By, by the time that people probably listen to this, we will be either getting close to or talking to Danny White, who will be made available uh, Wednesday yep. after football practice. Yep. The, the man himself, the man at the center of all of this success of all these programs, and uh, to get his thoughts on what it is like to be Danny White at this at this time and and juncture of UCF. Yeah, I know. And then. Um... In addition, we're hoping to have some folks from uh, – we might possibly have some folks from game day and ESPN to talk to. Um, I know that we're going to be covering the show as well uh, on Saturday. Um, man, I just – I still – I can't believe UCF is hosting college game day. Yeah, and we're, I can't we're believe it. Coverage. We're going to have coverage from there, Jeff. We're going to have – you guys are going to be there. I might be there as well. We're going to be there live. We'll – we might do a several thousand of our closest happen. friends. Yep. <laughs> no, this is the time, folks. This is the time. You got to follow us, black and gold banneret. Okay. You got to go. We got so much content, and you got to enjoy you got, it. You got. We got to enjoy gotta it. Enjoy. This is going to be. The, who knows? This may only happen once. I hope it doesn't. I hope. I hope. This is my hope, and I'll. I'll. And we'll end it with this. I hope that when the truck packs up and leaves on in the wee hours Sunday morning, that everybody from uh, from Reese, who's been here before, and uh, Lee Corso, and Herb Street, and Dez, and Maria Taylor, and Chris Fowler, and everybody, all the way to the lowest junior production assistant on the staff. I hope they all leave UCF saying, wow, that place was amazing. The people were awesome. We were treated so great. I hope we come back here next week even though we won't. Um, but I hope we get, I, I hope we bring it back to this, to, to this campus again next year, because that was an amazing time. And we would come back there in a heartbeat if we could. I really hope that that, I, I really hope that comes to pass. The, the biggest question about game day, college game day, the show itself, how will Tom, Tom Rinaldi use this university to make you cry this oh. week? Oh man. Oh man. I can't wait. I need so many my questions. emotional release. <laughs> so many questions. Who's going to be the guest pickers? Uh, are are Nat and Emmy going to deliver cookies? Um, <laughs> are uh, you know? Are, are we going to see? Who are we going to see? Are we going to see Dante Culpepper coming out? We, I mean, it's going to be. We're going to see a lot of. Well, we got to tell the audience where because we're the one place that's going to keep tabs on all that, aren't we? That's right. That's right. We'll be. Um, it, we're going to be kind of right by there. We'll be giving you actually sort of, uh, I mean, we can't, obviously you can't stream or any of that stuff. So we're not going to do that. Um, but, but we'll be there right by the stage covering everything as it happens, hopefully sending out some, some still photos and everything as time goes on. And some of us will be watching the show because it, it's going to be hard to hear the show, you know, when you're actually there and there's how many thousands of people screaming and yelling, but, uh, it's going to be fun, so we're going to be talking about that, and then of course, and then oh, by the way, there's the football game at eight o'clock. Hey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so there, so there's that. So, all right, so and then uh, oh, uh, Eric, you had some good stuff uh, popping up there as well. What did you have uh, uh, on tap this week? We got a lot. I've already written it on the site. Josh Heupel was on with Scott Van Pelt at halftime of mm-hmm. the Giants Forty ers game, and late after which the, the Giants won, on- by the way. Congratulations to both of you on that. Uh, uh, so Josh, yeah. Josh Heupel we're, we're blowing was on. The first so pick. Anyway, go ahead. 
there's a recap of that inter of that interview. You, uh, Murph mentioned Danny White. Well, Danny White was on the finish line with Jerry and Shot on Monday. You can listen to his reaction as I wrote a recap of that interview. Also, recap among others, Paul Feinbaum actually complimenting UCF. I can't believe it, but it happened. He was on on 580 in Orlando with Scott Inez on Tuesday. There's a recap of that on the site as well. It'll be there. A lot of college game day news items are going to be on the site. I have an article going to come out on the how this is a statement Saturday for UCF in the American Conference. National ABC primetime slot college game day. I break down why this is significant for UCF and for the American Conference for their future and, per and perhaps some finance uh, motivation there that we get into on that as well. And just everything game day, my celeb guest pickers, my top 10, which I know some of you have already hated some of the picks, but get over <laughs> it. Uh, that's the beauty of it all. Um, I was on with Jerry and Shot on Tuesday. And depending on when you're listening to this, I will be on the Mark Moses show in Vieira on Wednesday. Jeff's going to be on with Jerry and Shot on Friday. Uh, we're going to oh, have uh, possible. Quick breaking news. I'm also going to be um, on with uh, Mark Rogers on uh, Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. as well. So uh, if you go to Mark Rogers TV, uh, his live stream show on YouTube, I'll be on that too. There you go. And we're going to keep you updated on every development uh, throughout the week with anything related with UCF college game day and the football game, of course, against Cincinnati. And, oh, by the way, the other sports too, we're not ignoring them. But this is a unique week, and we're going to have extensive coverage. There's a section on the site, Jeff, right? You can tell yep. about it where anything that's related to college game day, there's a spot where they can go and actually get every single story that's related to the college game they come into UCF. Yeah. yeah, I put up a story stream, which is one of the cool things we can do as part of SB Nation now for all the college game day stuff uh, that you can follow throughout the week. Um, also, don't forget, um, Chaz Short did a five questions with Phil Newfer of uh, Down the Drive, which is our sister SB Nation site covering the Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, five questions about the Bearcats there. Uh, recaps of volleyball, men's soccer, uh, and then also f our latest photo gallery from our main man, Derek Warden, um, uh, with some gorgeous photos from the from the Navy game. So I know you want to check those out as well. And guess what? We're not done yet. we got a whole bunch of other stuff coming as well this week. It's going to be a busy week for us. Busiest week maybe ever. Everything else is just going to be a letdown compared to this. So. Did I really say that? <laughs> yeah. All right. After, after, after this week, don't after bother this, reading just, anything on the side. Yeah, after this. Not just, that important. Just, just pack wow. it up. Go home. Unfollow. unfollow unsubscribe. Yeah, all that. Yeah. Yeah, just Unring take, the bell. Yeah. By the way, we have a YouTube page. We do. I, I didn't even know well, that. We've had it today. for a while. We just started using it this week. So, so go over there. there there's some stuff on there. I even made some. Well, actually, Sell it. I, I, well, here, no. Here's what here's what I'm doing. It's not it's not just where we post video stuff as well, but we've also I I like fishing around the internet for UCF stuff, and I found some really old UCF football clips, dumped them into a playlist. I found uh, highlights from this year, last year, previous years, dumped those into a playlist. So check out our uh, check out our channel. Uh, just look for blackandgoldbanneret.com on YouTube as well. All right, let's get out of here. It's late. And I'm and and we have and we have to get some sleep this week. <laughs> yeah, you better might as well do it in the front end. It ain't gonna happen in the weekend. I'm yeah, gonna... I know, I know. All right. So uh thanks again to uh Brian and Eric. Thank you, fellas. Thanks, Jeffrey. Gentlemen. 
All right. Nerf, get healthy, because I'll be sitting next to you, so I definitely want you healthy at 100%. <laughs> I'll be wearing a SARS mask. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll sit on either side of you, Lopez, and, and just guarantee that you get the funk. Um, uh, Follow us on Twitter. We're going to have stuff all week, so this is the time. Do yep. it. Yep, UCF underscore Banneret individually, Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez, Elos, folks underscore Murphy, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret, and, of course, as always, on BlackandGoldBanneret.com, part of the SB Nation network as well download the podcast on google play apple podcast soundcloud stitcher and tune in and follow us all right there uh like eric said uh i know i mentioned the twitter handles but it bears mentioning again ucf underscore banneret for brian and eric i'm jeff this is only one out of two shows at least that we're doing this week so we'll catch you on the next one this is the black and gold banneret podcast we'll catch you later on